Syracuse loses a tough one in Blacksburg, Virginia, 85-70 at the hands of Virginia Tech. We'll talk about everything you need to know about the game. We'll take our takeaways, uh, give you a breakdown of what happened and our thoughts on the rest of the season. It's all unlocked on Syracuse, and it starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte and Valentine with you on your Monday episode of Lockdown Syracuse. Thanks for making it your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. I help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College. That's LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, I apologize for my weird set up today it's the best i could do is i uh was in syracuse this weekend i was around for that brutal loss then i went to the women's game yesterday they lost a brutal one too uh so basketball on the hill right now it's just not exactly thriving um but you know there might be some positive takeaway from this syracuse men's loss uh, for me, it's Judah Mintz, who had 21 points, hit a couple of threes, which is pretty rare, got to the line for 13 shots, assist out through the roof, eight assists for the kid. Uh, he was good. Um, he was really, really good. Joe and Jesse were both brutally bad, both under double-digit scoring. Malik Brown had 11. Justin Taylor was really good from outside. He went four for seven, had 12 points on the night. Uh, but, you know, all around, it was a really, really tough game. I mean, another game in which Benny Williams kind of falls off the face of the earth. Eight minutes only. Uh, he didn't score. He was brutal. Turned the ball over twice off the court. Um, you know, they're in a point right now, and we talked about how this was a must-win game in terms of tournament hopes because you have Virginia now. You really – like, you're now in a position where you have to beat Virginia – and that's just never where you want to be because it was so avoidable. Um, but, you know, Syracuse is a program in which the team always plays best with its back up against the wall. We know that. They always make the push when it seems like they're down and out. So uh, maybe they bounce back on Monday, or I guess that's today. Uh, and they, you know, in front of the home crowd, they do something. But it's just a brutal, brutal uh, game that was a really brutal game on yeah it was a tough one uh in in so many facets of things and i i don't know because i i wanted to watch this game and, and have this be you know a good win and a, a win that they bounce back and they build off of albeit you fall short a good showing against unc and it wasn't there it was it was bad and it was there weren't changes being made and i think the replies on Twitter basically say everything you need to know about where the sort of Syracuse fan base is falling right now, because I think every comment for the most part was, this is Bayheim. Bayheim's got to go fire Bayheim. He makes no changes, get Bayheim out. This whole coaching staff needs to be replaced. That was the summary of the Twitter replies 
uh, after this game. And it was a frustrating watch because it seemed like nothing changed. And it seemed like there weren't adjustments made. And you sort of talked about it, Bones. Offensively, this really wasn't a horrid game from Syracuse. I mean, Gerard really struggled. Jesse struggled in terms of scoring. But the offense did all right. And a lot of it, as you mentioned, had to do with Judah played an outstanding game uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Moved the ball well, finished well, uh, and, and did a lot to keep Syracuse competitive. Uh, and I think you can say the same to Taylor. I think Judah and Justin Taylor uh, did everything in their power on the offensive side of the ball to keep this game within striking distance, to keep it within, all right, you're just a quick little run away from this becoming something competitive again. Uh, but outside of that, there, there wasn't all too much, you know, in terms of big moments, I think we all got excited. We saw, you know, Malik Brown breaches the starting lineup for the first time this season. We were all excited to see, right? He, he's, he's been performing. He's been doing so much. He's been playing so well. He didn't play a bad game. But I think when we saw that, we were like, all right, this is exactly what we need, right? We're starting to find this flow. We're starting to find this rhythm. We've got the big change, right? Beheim so slow to make these changes. And he's finally done it. And it amounts to nothing, right? We, we've gotten used to and we've been very fortunate to see, you know, Joe Girard play – a very good streak of basketball on the offensive side of the ball. And it was really good and it was really convenient. And you think, you know, in his last, whatever, however many games this is, one, two, three, four, in his last nine games, he's gone 24, 28, 19, 24, seven against Notre Dame was the bad game. Miami 21, 28 against GT, 18 against UNC, and then seven against Virginia Tech, two for eight from the field, one for four from three. I was absolutely astonished. We were like midway through the second half. And I knew he was having an off game, but I didn't realize it was to this level. And you hear Wes Durham say, oh, that's his first bucket of the day. I was like, what the, what the first bucket? And it just, it didn't click that it was that bad of a day. And it was. Uh, and as we've said, whether you're okay with it or not, right? Whether there's a larger issue at hand here or a recruiting issue, um, a system issue or whatever, this team succeeds when Joe Girard succeeds, okay? You can have an issue with the fact that it's Joe Girard that is the guy and they should have a better guy in terms of that threshold. But with this active team, Joe Girard is what makes or breaks their games. His offensive performance makes or breaks games. And you can be frustrated, but I ask you to find the bench success or the bench recipe that will allow this team to succeed without Joe because we're two-thirds of the way through the season. We're over halfway through ACC play. I haven't seen the recipe without Joe that works all that well. Uh, so if you can find it, let us know, suggest it, whatever. But Joe is necessary for this team to win. Uh, it was the defensive side of the ball that cost Syracuse, paired with the fact that Virginia Tech shot lights out in this basketball game, especially in the first half. The game right? We play. talked about it going into the game, that the first time these two teams played, Virginia Tech shot catastrophically terrible from three. They were through like sub 20%. I think they shot like 16% in the first half from three in that game. Well, yeah. they, they evened it out to their season average in the first half uh, in this game. And you pair that with the fact that they were open on half of their threes and they were making the other ones. It's a recipe for disaster. And it was just a pace that Syracuse could not fathom keeping up with 
with the struggles that you saw Jesse have in terms of foul trouble and the struggles you saw Joe have in terms of being able to score. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, when you have a team like that, uh, that is going to come in and, and shoot the lights out, like you said, it makes it so much more obvious when your stars don't show up. Uh, so, you know, like you said, also with Joe not scoring for so long in that game, it was just it was weird. And you're absolutely right. And I agree with you that you can be angry that Joe Girard is the guy. But he, you can't win without him, whether you like it or not. He has to show up. If he doesn't, they're not going to win. And it's really as easy as that. Um, but you can be upset that they don't have a better guy that plays that role. But for now, that is the guy. Because Judah is not ready to be scoring upwards of 20 points per game. And Jesse sure as heck is not going to be doing it. So who else but yeah. Joe Girard? Uh, and Couture last really threw a wrench score. into it. Coming back, yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. and shut Gerard down pretty good, and played a, a very good basketball game as well. Yep, um, it was brutal. All right, but we're gonna get off that. We'll talk Virginia right after this break. It's brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, as a small business, as a small business owner or a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you wanna talk to faster, post your job for free, at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. Back here on Locked On Syracuse, Matt Bonaparte and Owen Valentine with you on this wonderful Monday morning or afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, Syracuse taking on Virginia inside the JMA Dome tonight. Uh, this is going to be, like we already said, a crucial, crucial game. Uh, and you don't want to really be in the position that your crucial game comes against Tony Bennett's team because, uh, as we've already seen them once this year, they're really a tight-knit group. They have great veteran leadership by a guy named Kihei Clark, who Syracuse fans know all too well. Uh, and they just have great talent pretty much everywhere. Reese Beekman's still there. That guy's a defensive nightmare for anybody on Syracuse. Uh, so this is going to be a really tough game, but I'll also say um, they definitely have a chance being on the home floor. I mean, they kept it close with UNC. They should have won that game on the home floor. They probably should have beat Pitt as well uh, at home. So if they're going to beat the good team, it's probably going to come at home this season. Uh, and, you know, while Virginia is really good, they kept it close on the road against the Cavaliers. So that gives me maybe some false hope. I don't know about you, Owen. Uh, but for some reason, my brain says maybe, maybe there's a chance they win this game. 
Yeah, I think there's a maybe involved in this game for sure. I'll give you that. Um, um, I look back at that first game and it, it's sort of just an interesting one because it's it didn't it wasn't a game where anyone went off in terms of Virginia and, and that's sort of their mo and what they're able to do so effectively, right? You got five double figure scores uh, with Franklin Beekman, Shedrick Gardner, and McNeely. Uh, you're gonna look. If you quickly glance at the box score, you see Kihei Clark put up five points. You're like, oh, they, they did a good job with Clark. No, they didn't. Kihei Clark will just silently murder you and then walk away scot-free. It's like he can shapeshift and disguise himself. It's incredible because he is able to do everything. And you look at that game and you look a little bit deeper into the box score and you see that Virginia scored 23 baskets in that game. And Kihei Clark was the assist on 11 of them. Half of the baskets Virginia scored were a direct result of a Kihei Clark pass. And he scored two baskets on his own. So he was responsible either by putting the ball through the hoop or through the pass for 50% uh, or a little bit over 50% of the baskets scored by Virginia in that game. He facilitates from the middle of that zone so effectively and it's with that experience, and it's Tony Bennett, and it is the fact that Virginia knows how to break down the Syracuse zone as effectively as anybody that they play. Uh, and it has a lot to do with the basketball IQ of Clark, uh, him making the right passes. They move the ball well. They know exactly how to attack. Uh, and after the defensive crapshoot that I watched uh, Syracuse play against Virginia Tech, uh, I'm very, very nervous. For, for what Virginia could be able to do to this defense that did not play a great game against VT. Um, and when you've got a guy that, that moves and facilitates better in the middle uh, with Clark, that's, that's a very worrisome thing because of how effective he has been for seemingly a decade when he comes to the Dome or when Syracuse is playing uh, at Virginia. They are always so effective, uh, and it is Clark that for a while now has been the guy that facilitates and does that and is the guy that is really that, I guess, the Achilles heel for, for Syracuse where Virginia can do an off night or whatever, but Clark just does enough and he continues to do enough every time they play. Uh, and he is an absolute wrench into a machine that works sometimes, uh, but he, he will start this engine uh, and have them blow in smoke by the end of this game, I would assume. Yeah, and just to add on to that stat you pulled up, not only was Kihei incredible in that game, I mean, they really all were. Beekman had seven assists to Kihei's 11, uh, and Armand Franklin had a few as well. They assisted 22 baskets of 23. That's crazy. I mean, they pick apart the zone better than anybody in yeah. the nation, likely. I mean, they really are the best at it, and we'll see that uh, tonight. Um, you know, this is going to be a tough game for Syracuse to win. Like we've already alluded to, you're going to have to bounce back from one of your worst performances of the season. I mean, they were really bad. Besides Judah, they really weren't there. Taylor was okay, like we mentioned, and so was Malik. But they're not going to leave the team in scoring. I mean, unless it's Bryant and, have, and Judah got ejected. Um, but, you know, it, it's just you're at a point right now where it's do or die. And like I said, Syracuse likes to play with their backs up against the wall. But, I mean, it just seems a little early, <laughs> don't you think, to be backs up against the wall? I mean, this was a team that was supposed to have 
some kind of potential. And now you're looking at 13 and nine with a lot of basketball to be played against some really, really tough opponents. After this Virginia game, you get two cupcake games, but they are on the road, Boston College and Florida State. So you really don't know what's going to happen. Then you come home to NC State. Then you've got Duke. Then you're away at Clemson. I mean, away at Clemson is going to be tough. Then you're at Pitt, another really tough game. Then you come home against Georgia Tech. That should be a win. And you finish out the year against Wake Forest. A lot of really good basketball teams to play. Um, Tournament hopes in my head, I don't have high hopes. I really don't, uh, if I'm being honest. They They could still make it, but they'd have to go on quite a run here in the next couple months. Bones, I, I mean, there's a real world where this team can finish out the season seven and two, and, and that's not enough. Uh, yeah. Maybe even better. An eight and one finish with the resume that is currently being looked at might not be enough. Um, the way the ACC is at this point in time, the quality of the wins that are available on the schedule and where Syracuse currently falls uh, outside of winning out, I'm not really sure what puts them into the conversation solidly. Uh, and, and that is a worrisome thing, right? It is Easy getting very late. It is getting very dire. And yes, right, Virginia is the biggest available win remaining on the schedule. But it's not just Virginia that turns into this month. Every single game the rest of the season needs to be won. Because if you lose another game, it's very realistic that you are now one loss away from writing yourself out of the tournament. And yep. I, I don't think anybody here is predicting Syracuse to go 8-1 and one to finish out the season or 9-0 and oh to finish yeah. out the season. Ken Palm's got Syracuse at 4-5 and five projected to finish out the year. That's not even going to be close to cutting it. Uh, so you, you've got to step it up. Uh, And unfortunately for you, the rest of the ACC is not necessarily doing their job in terms of providing you the opportunity for big time wins. You're getting middle of the pack wins that are available on the schedule, but that's about it, right? We have, we have reached a dire point in the season and it is continuing to compile, right? And you're no longer at a point where previously you might've been able to escape some bigger issues. Uh, there, there's no more escaping, right? There was a point in time where you could have overcome the Colgate and the Bryant losses. There was a point in time where the pit loss was all right, and you can recover from it, right? The Virginia loss, you're like, that's fine. It's a better team than Syracuse is. And now you're starting to just compound the Miami blown lead, the North Carolina blown lead, the Virginia Tech. I, I, I'm struggling to not use special four-letter words to describe that game, right? You're, you're out of you're out of opportunities to make up for what has already happened. Uh, and that is a result of, of what has happened so far this year. Uh, some forgivable losses uh, and the continuing compilation and compounding of, of these games to the point where, you know, this advertised as this is a tournament team from Jim Beheim is now this is an NIT tournament team, courtesy of Jim. Yeah. Um. It's tough, man. It's really tough. Let's get into predictions. Uh, The line for this one set at plus four and a half for the Orange home dogs. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that the line is 
that low. <laughs> um, wow. Maybe the you know the odds makers have some faith in Syracuse. I don't know what Ken Palm says, uh, but four and a half. Ken Palm's got lovely. Louisville by five. You mean Virginia? Or Virginia by five. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that seems right to me. I mean, honestly, I would take Virginia even <laughs> to win by more. Um, but so I'll, I'll take Virginia and I'll take the, the spread on that. I mean, they just, yeah, they just have not inspired me at all as of late. I, I agree with you. I'll take Virginia and the spread here. One of the, I, I will say in terms of contributors to the spread being lower is the pace of play Virginia plays at makes it harder to genuinely blow teams out, uh, which I guess plays to Syracuse's advantage. Uh, when you look at Ken Palm adjusted tempo uh, in terms of that, Virginia plays the fourth slowest game of basketball in college division one basketball. They are wow. 360th in adjusted tempo. They play a slow game, which I guess could help in terms of keeping the game within striking distance, but Syracuse is still going to have to strike and strike continuously in order to be competitive in this game. Uh, you, you look to see what changes can be made, right? Because it is difficult the way they attack this zone and the effectiveness in which they are able to penetrate and work from there. It's an entry pass to the top of the key. Um, they get to the short corner really well. They hit that mid range really well. They pass out to wide open guys on the perimeter really well. This is going to have to be the best defensive game of basketball that Syracuse plays this season. Uh, and they're going to need to do it from the start of this game, right? They actually, albeit this final score didn't reflect it, Syracuse started much better against Virginia Tech than they had in the previous three games uh, and a lot of the time in ACC play. Five minutes in, Syracuse was up 10-9, uh, but that did follow along <laughs> with a 9-0 run for Virginia Tech. So it, it's got to consistent. It's got to be a game if you're going to be in this one. You've got to play staunch defense. And if Virginia is going to score, it's got to be because they made a well guard, not because the defense collapsed, you didn't rotate, and there's a wide open guy in the short corner, which I am just envisioning right now, because that's all I can see when I picture Virginia playing the Syracuse zone. They've got to play a good game of defense. Do they have it in them? I don't know. Uh, if I was a betting man, um, which after I was over three on FanDuel predictions last week, hand up. I'm sorry. I tried my best. Uh, if it makes you feel better, I bet all three. So I lost all of them. Uh, so I am struggling as well. Um, but if I was gambling on this game, I, I, I don't see a way that you can, you can argue to me that Syracuse is the bet here. And it's unfortunate. Yep. Totally. Um, all right, well, that's all the time we've got on Lockdown Syracuse. Thanks for making it your first listen every day as well as today. We'll be back tomorrow uh, to recap the Virginia game, what is hopefully a Syracuse win. Uh, again, we appreciate you making us your first listen today. Go for it. Make uh, Lockdown College Basketball your second listen. Isaac Schott and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, you're from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on college basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He's on Valentine. See you tomorrow.